What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. One of those in a podcast. My name is Kyle Dabra. What's going on, everybody? Kevin Valentin here on the half of the podcast. Dude, somebody had a day off today. How you feeling? Dude, I'm feeling good, feeling great. You know how it goes? I'm feeling great today. So um, it doesn't feel great that the NFL season has come to an end. But I'm just glad that I was able to relax, watch some games today. And now, bro, we got the, we got the wild card uh, set up ready to go and you know going into january my guy now we got the nfl playoffs ahead of us and then on top of that we got the national championship coming up bro we got a lot to get to today yeah i I, i'm i'm just i'm in disbelief the the nfl season flies too fast like i just Mm -hmm. every year we do this even before the podcast we would talk about this like so hyped for august to come around and before you know it you blink and it's january every year oh we were talking about it I, i mean I remember when we were like in week seven, week eight, it's like, it just felt like it went by in a blink. And now we hear, now we're here in January and we only have a couple of weeks until the Super Bowl. So, I mean, you know, we're going to have to lock in ready to rock and roll. Cause these playoffs are going to be fun, but they're going to go quick. So they always do, you know, I mean, it, it's going to be Super Bowl 57 before you know it. So chill, 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 chill. But Okay, we got a lot to go over today. We, I mean, we got to go over some of the the week eighteen results. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the first impressions of the wild card weekend. Uh, we got the national championship coming up tomorrow. Uh, when this comes out, you guys, when you guys hear it, it will be today. But uh, we got a lot to get to. You ready to dive into these topics? Yeah, let's get it. All right. So some of the games uh, that we'll cover in week eighteen uh, will be as followed. Uh, we will go over the Eagles defeating the Giants. It wasn't the most impressive performance, but nonetheless, uh, the Eagles were able to establish the number one seed in the NFC. They were able to stave off the Giants late. The Giants actually got a late uh, fourth quarter touchdown. Uh, that made things interesting, but the Eagles were able to pounce on the the uh, onside kick and uh, finish the season at 14-3. and three. Uh, Kev will have some thoughts about how the Eagles looked in Week 18 and how that may set them up going into the playoffs. They do have the number one seed, so that puts them in an automatic buy situation, so they will not play next week, uh, just for context. Uh, after that, we will keep it within the NFC East. We'll talk about the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys did not look impressive in any way, shape, or form against the Commanders. Uh, Dak Prescott looked extremely bad in that game, and the Cowboys just looked defunct in every way, shape, or form. And they got to go up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first week of the playoffs and that wild card weekend next week. So we'll talk about their performance this past weekend and how it's going to set them up uh, going up against the Bucks next week. After that, we'll kick it over to the AFC East. We'll talk about the Bills uh, playing an inspired performance uh, t- today against the uh, Buffalo, uh, not against the Buffalo Bills, against the uh, New England Patriots. Buffalo won that game by the score of 35 to 23. I think one of the biggest takeaways was the fact that the Bills special teams, they were on it today. Uh, two kickoff returns for a touchdown, the first one being the first kickoff of the game, and then one later in the second half. Absolutely incredible. They really set the tone. And to be quite honest with you, they just rallied around DeMar Hamlin uh, after the whole situation that the Bills organization went through last week uh, when he collapsed on the field against the Bengals. Uh, they played an inspired performance against the Patriots, and we'll just talk about them and how it's going to set them up now that they have the number two seed locked up in the AFC and then to round out uh, the game portion of this past weekend, uh, we'll just talk about my team. We'll talk about the New England Patriots falling short uh, against the Bills. It was an uphill battle. Nonetheless, uh, the Patriots did play a pretty solid game for the most part against the Bills, but 
nonetheless, they fell short. Uh, they finished at eight and nine outside of the AFC playoff picture. And we'll just dive into uh, where they go from here from this point forward. After that, we will go over our wild card weekend first impressions. So I mean, outside of the Packers and the in C- the Seahawks uh, seating situation, the Packers are playing the Lions currently right now. So by the time you guys hear this, you guys will know the result. But uh, Kevin and I will go over our impressions of wild card weekend. Kevin's going to go over the NFC. I will go over the AFC. So Kevin will start it off and then he'll kick it to me and We'll pretty much just round out our first impressions and just give you guys a quick synopsis and summary of how we think next week is going to play out. Our predictions for those games where we'll go more into depth and we'll focus more on the details, uh, that will come out later this week. But we just wanted to give you guys a quick impression of how we see these games playing out next week. After that, we'll talk about our NFL awards from this past season. So pretty simple. We'll go over the MVP, Coach of the Year, Comeback player of the year and offensive and defensive rookie of the year. We'll just keep it pretty short, kind of similar to the the wild card weekend. We'll just kind of give a general summary, a quick synopsis of, of each category and why we think this person uh, should receive that award and why. And then to round out the episode, uh, we will cover the national championship game that is going to feature TCU and Georgia. It's going to be a very action-packed national championship as far as I see it. Uh, the semifinal games that we saw last week were absolutely incredible. And I think going into this one, I think the expectations are going to be pretty solid. Uh, to be quite to be quite honest with you, Kev, TCU being in the national championship is kind of crazy. And going up against a, uh, a tested team like Georgia is going to be a fun game as far as I see it. So that is going to be the slate uh, for the episode. So, Kev, let's lock in. Let's dive into this Eagles game that we saw this past weekend. Um, just to kind of give you guys a quick uh, summary of the game, uh, the Eagles did beat the Giants by the score of 22 to 16. Uh, with the win, the Eagles do improve to 14 and three on the season. With the loss, the Giants fall back to nine, seven and one. Uh, both teams are advancing to the playoffs. Uh, the Eagles are the number one seed. The Giants are the number six seed. So this result really didn't change the outcome of how the playoffs were going to be structured. Now, had the Eagles lost this game? Then things would have gotten very interesting because the 49ers did win. They could have captured that number one seed, but that didn't happen because uh, the Eagles did what they needed to do uh, to maintain that number one seed with that 14-3 and record. And Kev, I know you had some thoughts about the Eagles' performance this past weekend. Um, So to kick this one to you, what's your overall impression of the Eagles getting the number one seed despite playing a pretty contested matchup against the Giants this past weekend? I mean, the Eagles have not been playing well over the course of the last two, three weeks. And we all know that, you know, Gardner Minshew started two games. They lost both of those games. And then Jalen Hurts was injured. He played this game because they needed a win for sure. The Giants rested Daniel Jones. They rested Saquon Barkley and a couple of other key players for them. So this was basically the equivalent of the Giants backups. The Eagles starters played this game. We see the score here, 22 to 16. Are you are you serious? I mean, like I understand Jalen Hurts is not a hundred percent. I understand the offensive line is missing, you know, Lane Johnson. I understand that, you know, the Eagles won this game, but this is not how you go into the playoffs. This is this is where you go down that line of do we play the starters the whole game? Do we not? Do we play Gardner Minshew for the second half to ki- kind of keep Jalen healthy? Do we not? And, you know, for the most part, they played the entire game, but it's like they played the whole game and they didn't look good. 
And, you know, oh, they weren't trying too hard. You know, they didn't want to risk injury. They didn't want to extend plays. I don't know about you. I don't know what games you guys were watching, but Boston Scott was running for his life. Miles Sanders was running for his life. You know, like A.J. Brown was getting visibly frustrated on the sidelines when he was missing, you know, uh, catches and when Jalen was missing him because two weeks off and throwing shoulders hurt. Excuse me, I think I'm coming down with a cold, so be clear in my throat the majority of this episode, and I apologize in advance. But, um, yeah, they just... I did not see the ferocity in that offense. Now, albeit the defense did what it needed to do outside of that Kenny Galladay miracle touchdown uh, in that fourth quarter when Darius Slay was draped all over him. Um, and they held the Giants for the majority of this game all through field goals. And, you know, they were able to sack the quarterback. They were able to pressure him, you know, running the ball. They weren't really able to do much until kind of later in the second half where the Giants were kind of taken off a little bit more. With They started to average a little bit higher in the yards per carry department. Actually, they actually ended the game with 6.1 yards per carry. The Giants ended up just continuing to find a way to just keep the Phillies defense on the field for a little bit longer than expected. But again, the, what, the point I'm trying to get at is when you're the number one seed and you've been in a slump and your MVP candidate hasn't been playing because he's been hurt, you come in and this is what you put onto the table. This is what, you, this is what your performance is going into the postseason, albeit you have a bye, so you have time to heal and improve and get a good week of practice in maybe two weeks. It just doesn't look good. Is Jalen's arm worse than people are saying? Or should I say shoulder? Um, is is Jalen, like, did they limit the, the play calling because they didn't want to get him hurt because there wasn't a lot of RPOs? Like, I, you, you can see the Eagles just did not look 100%. And that is just not a good look. I know that Lane Johnson is going to try to make a, a, a postseason push to, to, to play, even though he's not going to be 100% because he pushed back surgery in his abdomen. But um, depending on who the Eagles face, in that next, not next week, but in two weeks, that could end up being a nightmare because Philly ended the season on such a slow slump and they're going to have a week off. So they could, excuse me. Bless you. Bless you. Excuse me. The, Eagle, the Eagles could end up very well being uh, cold, should I say. And here comes the sickness. Ah, oh, damn it. Um, basically, what I'm trying to say is this cannot be your performance to go into the postseason. This cannot be how you go about being the number one seed. Like, this is not... I, again, I know I sound like I'm repeating myself, but it just it was not convincing. I understand completely that the Giants weren't trying, but that's what makes this more embarrassing. If the Giants played Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, I have full confidence the Giants would have upset the Eagles and they would be a wildcard team. That's how bad they played today on the offensive side of the ball. Seriously. Um... So, I mean, for the sake of the, the, the segment, they bottom line, they won. They solidified the bye, which is pivotal for Jalen to get rest. But if this backfires, right? I'm not saying they should have lost on purpose to get the wild card or the second seed or whatever. I'm saying if Jalen has a bad postseason performance because of this injury, because of how they ended the season, because of having a week off, whatever you want to call it, all of Philadelphia is going to riot. You do not go 14-3 and three to become a divisional round exit. It all depends on who they play. So I'm just saying, this is not how you end a year with a record like this, with a season the way you've had it, against a team that willingly sat their starters, that gave you a ground ball to say, you got it. The Giants tried, but they damn near came closer than they should have. Six points, it's just not okay. Yeah, Kev, I understand the sentiment. Um, the way that I see it with the Eagles is... This is how I think their game plan was. Get up early and basically coast. And I think the reason why that they had that mindset more than likely was they wanted to establish a pretty good lead early on against the Giants. 
And look, with the Giants playing their backups, not having Daniel Jones, not having Saquon Barkley, to be fair, that offense was going to be fairly limited in, in being able to put up points. And granted, the Eagles only won that game by six points. But I mean, they were up 19 to nothing at one point early on. And then slowly and surely, New York was able to establish some drives late in the game to make it interesting. But as far as I see it, despite the fact that I wouldn't consider this an A-plus effort from the Eagles, they did enough to win, solidify that number one seed. And I think they can go into the playoffs with at least their head held high, knowing that they got that locked up. And now they have the next week off to be able to recover from some lingering injuries. Uh, Jalen could use an extra week of recovering from that shoulder injury. Lane Johnson could definitely use that. And pretty much the rest of the team can use that week to just recover from just the battering injuries that they've sustained throughout the year, just the nicks and bruises that come along with an NFL season. So, you know, when it comes to this game in particular with the Eagles, was this their best performance? No. I would say more than likely, this is probably like a, a C plus, around a C plus, around a C performance as far as I see it. You know, it was enough to win, but yeah, I think, you know, Kev made his point pretty clearly that they could have gone into the postseason a little bit more on a convincing statement. And this just wasn't that type of performance. But, you know, do give credit to the Giants defense. The Giants are 9-7-1. They are a playoff team. Their record isn't what I would consider is top tier or elite. But they did make the playoffs. And their defense is pretty solid. You know, the offense can be up and down at times. But that Giants defense is stingy. And they've shown it time and time again where they'll give opposing offenses some difficult opportunities to work with. And, you know, to be fair, you know they gave up 19 points early on in the game, but they were able to lock it down pretty significantly in the second half. So, you know, you got to give the Giants a little bit of kudos there. But when it comes to the Eagles, the Eagles are one of the best teams in the NFL, you know, finishing 14 and three, the number one seed in the NFC. They've been the most consistent team in that conference the entire year. And I think that week off, you know, being the number one seed is going to serve them pretty well, just so that everybody can recover from their injuries, like I already said. But now we need to see how they're going to transition from the regular season into the playoffs. And I will say, you know, to take Kevin's point um, with 100% context here, you definitely want to go into the playoffs on a little bit of a hot streak. Uh, just the injury that Jalen sustained a couple of weeks ago that kept him out, that kind of threw that out the window just because uh, Gardner Minshew wasn't able to step in and get that team to continue to win games. But I think they'll be able to kind of recalibrate in that week off. And then whoever they play in the first round, uh, not the first round, in the second round of the playoffs in that NFC divisional round, I think they'll be ready to go. They're going to have a home game. I know those Philly fans, they're going to be fired up. They're going to be ready to go. And we don't know who they're going to play yet. Uh, it could potentially be somebody like the Cowboys. It could be the Buccaneers. It could be potentially like the Seahawks or the Packers, depending on how that whole game works out. So we don't really know how this is going to unfold with who the Eagles are going to play in the divisional round. But as far as I see it, uh, the Eagles are, are going to be a tough team to bet against moving forward. Obviously they have their issues. Uh, this Giants game is kind of indicative that they weren't able to establish real offensive consistency. And if that does linger into their divisional round matchup against whoever they play, uh, that could be a difficult scenario for them in that game specifically. But as far as I see, I still think they have a leg up on the competition uh, moving forward, but they're going to have to be on their A game. But I think just to kind of round this out, I think they're still in a pretty good place. The offense has been solid the entire year. Their defense 
has just been absolutely hellacious with getting to the quarterback. They have one of the best pass rushers in the league. Uh, they're holding teams consistently in team-digit numbers. Sometimes they'll give up maybe 20, 25 points. But all things considered, I think the Eagles are still one of the better teams in the NFL. And they're a team not to be trifled with as far as I see it. So not the best performance against, against the Giants, but still were able to do what they needed to get done, get that number one seed, get that by. And now they can recover before the NFC Divisional Round. I think they accomplished those goals today, albeit not in convincing fashion, but they got what they needed to get done. And that's the most important thing as far as I see it. I mean, obviously, uh, the W is the most important part. I'm not yeah. trying to take away from that. Uh, whether it was sloppy or a blowout, they did it. So kudos to Philly for securing it. Shouldn't have taken them these three weeks to do it. They should have done it on Christmas Eve against Dallas, but again, it's, it's neither here nor there. It's a Jalen injury. I, I know. Look, I, I will say Gardner did step in and play a pretty solid game against the Cowboys. In and that Dallas, was, that was a good one. That was just a good, that was just a shootout. And, and you know what, bro? Like people lose shootouts. I mean, freaking Brady lost to Nick Foles in a shootout in Super Bowl 52. Like it happens. And Brady threw 500 yards in that game and they still that lost. A, so isn't that a Super Bowl record? He had the most yards ever thrown in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Kev, can you do me a favor? Uh, can you just sit up a little bit more or just adjust your camera down a little bit? So sorry. I, no, 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 you're good. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, overall, you know, the Eagles got what they needed to do. They, they finished up that season with a 14 and three record, got the number one seed. Like I said, albeit not in convincing fashion, but I mean, it could have been worse. They could have looked like cow. They could have looked like, like the Cowboys. I was about to say like, and that's honestly the next game that we're to go over. Um, Kevin, I know we're gonna have a good, good one. We're gonna have a good time with this one. Uh, so the Dallas Cowboys in Week 18 did not look good in any way, shape, or form. They lose to the Commanders on the road by the score of 26 to six. Dallas was not competitive from the start of this game all the way to the end of it. Uh, the Commanders got off to an early lead. Uh, the Commanders even made it better for themselves by getting an early pick six against Dak Prescott to extend their lead. And the Commanders never looked back. Uh, with the result finishing at uh, 26 to six in favor of the commanders. Dallas drops down to a 12 and five record. The commanders finish at an eight, eight and one record. And now that the NFC playoff picture is pretty much set up, albeit, you know, we're still waiting on the Packers and Lions game to finish up, but the Cowboys are locked in as the number five seed. So they do have a wild card spot, but they will be going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that wild card weekend. But we can kind of talk about that part a little bit, but if Kev, if you just want to focus, do you want to focus more particularly on this past week and how it's going to set them up or just this week? Uh, just, this, just this week against the commanders for now. Okay. We'll get into, like I said, that, that wild card thing a little bit later. Okay. So um, I guess just to kick this one to you, what do you make of the Dallas's cow of, hold on, let me start this over. What do you make of the Cowboys performance against the commanders in week 18, where to be quite honest with you, they looked flat. As far as I see it, dude, I mean, the Cowboys are cowboy and it's always the end of the season where they fail to perform. It is literally consistent like clockwork. They have a great regular season, all these accolades. Oh, my God, they're going to win. They're going to win the division. They're going to the Super Bowl. Their defense is good. Oh, my God. Dak Prescott looks like Dak Prescott from a few years ago. Oh, no, Dak's hurt. Oh, Cooper Rush is the best backup in the league. You see where I'm going with this? Up, down, up, down. All these excuses. You lose to a rookie quarterback in his first start. Really? 
<laughs> like I understand that Philly won their game, so you there was nothing that was going to happen unless San Francisco lost and Minnesota lost, which none of them did. So even if Dallas won this game, they still would have been the fifth seed. But again, similar to Philly, you do not want to go into the playoffs with a poor performance, let alone a blowout by 20 points to a team that is not even in the playoffs, to a team that head coach didn't even know they were eliminated. It's just, I don't understand. I can't fathom how Dallas went and performed this terrible. I mean, Dak was 14 of 37. That's horrendous. And he had that pick six. You know what's funny about the pick six? I was actually watching the game with Isabel's family. He threw the same ball to the same sideline, to the same corner in back-to-back plays. And the first play, the only difference was the corner dropped the pick six. The next play, jumped the same route, took it to the house. Dak Prescott is not seeing the field clearly. And it is not a good confidence boost to walk in to the playoffs knowing that you have to go now travel to Tampa. You are having a pretty poor season. And another fun stat for everybody, Dak Prescott is tied with Davis Mills for the NFL lead with 15 interceptions. Dak Prescott missed five games this year. I'm just saying. So um, Dallas is just not looking good. The defense that was once feared with the pass rush and the, 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 uh, the oh my God. I just went blank. Oh, with one of the better secondaries with Trayvon Diggs and so many other things. I mean, the, the, the Cowboys defense at the beginning of the year and even in the middle was playing lights out. They've kind of crumbled and they don't necessarily look as good as they did when the season began. So there's a couple of different things that you could really put here to say that Dallas has just been falling apart at the seams at the worst time. Now, I will give Philly a little bit of an edge because... Philly was playing with an injured quarterback and then a backup for a little bit. And, you know, Philly's got, I think, they were two sacks shy of the NFL all-time sack record for most sacks in a single season. Albeit, it would have been an asterisk anyway because of the extended season of 17 games. But that's how good that defense has been consistently throughout this year. Dallas allowed, tw- tw- Dallas allowed 20 points to a backup third-string quarterback who is a rookie out of North Carolina. Sam Howell was just carving it up on the ground, in the air. He, again, a rookie, was making them look horrendous. There's not really much else you can say. Dallas has sealed their fate, and I will get into not necessarily my full-on prediction, but I will get into my NFC playoff stuff in a few minutes, and shocker, shocker, I don't got Dallas winning. So um, we'll kind of see how it goes. But, I mean, kudos to Washington for putting up a fight, playing spoiler, and just kind of keeping their division opponent just... I guess keeping them down to earth, but man, if Dallas doesn't turn this around, despite Mike McCarthy having back-to-back 12-win seasons, he may be on the hot seat on his way out because this would be two failed seasons of having this much success in the regular season to falter when it matters the most. Kev, I'm in full agreement with you on this one. Uh, The Cowboys have not looked good, I'd say, the last month of the season. Um, You know, losing to the commanders in the manner that they did is just outright atrocious. I mean, when you lose by three possessions to a team that has already been eliminated from the playoffs, you lose to a team that is already, I would say, subpar to mediocre at best. The commanders really don't instill a lot of fear into opposing teams on a consistent basis. And for the Cowboys to lay that egg today uh, against the commanders, it's just a, not a good look. And, you know, we, we got to see them go up against Tampa uh, next week in the wild card weekend. I won't dive into that game particularly yet, but... Like you said, to just kind of piggyback off the point that you made, 
you want to establish some sort of consistency or some sort of momentum going into the playoffs. That is not the case here with the Cowboys. So when we look at the last month for the Cowboys, like you said, Kev, that defense has been struggling. And that was not the case earlier in the year. That Cowboys defense was something to be respected. It was something to be relied upon. But, Kev, just looking at their last couple games, I mean, let's take it back all the way to December 11th, and we'll just kind of work from the games uh, up until now. December 11th, they go up against the Texans. They almost lose that game. They give up 23 points. They win that one by four points. Honestly, that was a game they probably should have lost. They, they, they then give up 40 points to the Jaguars the next week. They lose that game in overtime. Dak loses on a, a game-losing pick six. They beat the Eagles, albeit it was against a backup in Gardner Minshew. That Dallas defense gave up 34 points against the Eagles. Gardner kind of did his thing against Dallas's defense. Then they had a pretty solid game against the Titans, um, I'd say the last week of 2022. And then you followed it up with this atrocious season-ending game against the Commanders, and you lose by essentially three touchdowns. This defense is just not performing up to the standard that they once had earlier in the season. They're not getting the turnovers that they were getting earlier in the season. Their pass rush has been spotty. Like, they'll still be able to get some pressure on the quarterback. It just hasn't been as consistent compared to the first half of the year. And then when you look at the offense, there are times where Dallas's offense looks like it's fully in rhythm. They're not skipping a beat. And yet, you have this performance where you're going up against the commanders and you score six points. And the Cowboys technically did have something to play for in this game had the Eagles lost this game. Um, had the Eagles lost against the Giants, to be more precise. I mean, had the Eagles lost against the Giants, the Cowboys could have potentially secured the NFC East. But losing to the commanders in the manner that they did, they have no momentum going into the playoffs. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. It would not shock me to the least extent that they would lose in the first week of the playoffs. Just the offense is not in rhythm. They're turning the ball over way too consistently. And I just don't know if this defense is going to be able to hold up against a top tier offense that they could potentially go up against in the playoffs. So we'll see what they could do against Tom Brady and the Bucks going into that wild card weekend. But that defense has got to show me something. I mean, the Bucs have had their issues offensively this year. So maybe this is a game where they could round back into form and they can kind of look like the Dallas Cowboys that we saw in the first half of the season, or at least when Dak got back and was actually stringing along some pretty good games. But I just don't have a lot of faith in Dak right now. I don't have a lot of faith in Dallas's defense. Uh, Mike McCarthy, he's always somewhat of a controversial figure when it comes to whether or not that he's the right guy to lead that team as the head coach. So, Things are shaky in Dallas right now. I'm not going to lie about it. Um, the Cowboys are the Cowboys. I, they will find a way to screw things up just because that is their MO. And until they prove me otherwise, more than likely, they're going to find some sort of novel way to find themselves out of the playoff race or find themselves uh, losing in the playoffs and going into the offseason with just this utter look of like what happened to us when it doesn't work out for them in the playoffs. So Dallas has really got to work some things out throughout the week as they prepare for the Bucks. But man, with this performance, give credit where credit is due. The commander showed up to play despite not being able uh, to make the playoffs regardless. They looked like the team that looked inspired to play. And when it comes to the Cowboys, they're going to have to look, they're going to take a long look in the mirror 
and see what type of team that they're going to be going into the playoffs because this team I don't think is in the right space right now and things could go pretty bad fairly quickly in the playoffs if they do not play up to snuff against the Bucks. So I'll just kind of leave it at that. I mean, I say this every year and people think I'm an asshole for it. The Cowboys and the Mets are the exact same team. All their fan bases talk all that shit Yep. Within the first month or two, yo, we're Super Bowl bound. Yo, the Yankees are ass. We run New York. And then they fucking fall yep. every single season. It is like historically proven. It has nothing to do with bias. The fact that my girlfriend's an Eagles fan, the fact that I'm a Yankee fan, it is like time and time again. It never fails. Like the, I, I firmly believe in my heart of hearts, the Cowboys can go 17-0. and I think they still find a way to lose in the divisional. I don't know why. I swear to God. It's just, this is what they do. It, well, I don't know. Well, look at it like this. You know, Christmas comes around every year. Once a year, right? You could say the same thing with the Cowboys. The Cowboys are going to find a way to screw things up and find themselves out of the playoffs every single year they actually make it. You could basically guarantee it. You could almost basically write it in stone at this point. So, look, you know, the Cowboys... They finished twelve and five. Like they're not a scrub team. No, not like, at all. They're. I mean, look. I mean, the Bucks are eight and nine. And they made it as the four seed, and they're going to have the home game against the Dallas Cowboys. So, I mean, from a record perspective, they're not a bad team. It's just they're the Cowboys, and they're they, going to find beaten a, some good teams. Though they busted Minnesota's ass in one that, of the biggest blowouts in NFL history. I, I know, which was but nuts. But honestly, when it comes to the NFL, it's what have you done for me lately? And that game against the Vikings was in Thanksgiving. I mean, that was a month and a half ago. Yeah. And like they I lost kinda, to Jacksonville like, too. I, I damn near lost to the Texans. The Texans. That was a game that they should have lost. And then they get absolutely spanked by the Commanders. I'm just saying, like this team. I know the Cowboys fans. Man, they are a passionate fan base. They're going to ride or die with that team. I guarantee you this, though. Do you remember the scenes? Do you remember the shots? that we saw from the stands when they got knocked out by the 49ers in the playoffs last year. We are going to see a repeat of that at some point in the playoffs with them. That's hilarious. I get, Those were I, memes I, for months. Oh, my God. I, I remember Stephen A. Smith. I will never forget. Stephen A. Smith did like a three- or four-minute segment where he was literally just dying laughing, seeing the reactions. Just ripping them. <laughs> oh, man. The, people were crying. I mean... It, I mean, I, I'll never forget the one guy. Yeah. It was it was him and his girl. And oh yeah, she she's crying. He's got this look of just like he has that million mile stare, just of utter despair. It's like it's like watching a train wreck happen in real time, and mm -hmm. it was just. I think it's going to be the same result with them. I don't yep. see any other pathway forward unless the Cowboys ramp it up and somehow get momentum to go all the way to the Super Bowl, which is not happening. Cowboys are not going to Super Bowl this year. I, I no. mean, I could write that in pen at this point. I got no problem saying that. They just find a way to screw things up. It's that simple. Time. I mean, what, it's been 25, 30 years since they won a Super Bowl? I think it has been exactly my years on Earth. They last won a Super Bowl the year I was born. So 29 years, 1994. That's crazy. I mean... New England I think, six since I, then. Unless it was 93. I don't remember. You, <laughs> New England <laughs> won six 
Super Bowls in the time from the last time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. That's crazy. It just really goes to show, like, it's the first search on Google. I put when was the last T? When was the last T? <laughs> <laughs> Cowboys won the Super Bowl. What year was it? What year was it? I didn't even click it yet. Hold on. No. Bro, they, I tell you what, the computer's that computer's listening to you. I can guarantee you that right now. They were listening Bro, to our conversation. That is hilarious. That is so funny. What was the 95? Oh, so that's the year I was. Born. So the nine so the ninety four season. Born, yeah, ninety four, ninety five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, okay, so they won it a month before I was born. That's crazy. Yo, that is so fucking funny, bro. Oh my, I didn't even finish you, the that sentence. Computer, bro, that computer was listening to the conversation. It's like, don't worry, boys, we're going to get him. Oh man, like, guys, I, I wish I was like like streaming yeah. my setup. Like just screenshot. so you can see my laptop. Oh man, that is gold. <sighs> I'm surprised anyway. like, I'm surprised like it didn't pull up like pictures of last year's playoff loss to the 49ers with the fans in the stands. That would have just been like the icing on the cake had you seen the reactions and the memes. No, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you right now, bro, Twitter is going to have a fucking field day when the Cowboys lose. Greatest app in the world. I don't care. I don't care when they lose. It could be next week. It could be two, three weeks down the road. I mean, who am I kidding? They're not making an NFC championship. I'm, I, I'm not going to cap about that, but no, it, it's going to happen. It's just, are they going to lose in a train wreck fashion? That that's going to be, that's going to be the biggest question as far as I see it with the Cowboys. But Max. Kev, I know we, we, we got to switch gears. We're going to kick it yep. over to the AFC. I got um, you. Big game. Big game for the Bills. Yep. So. I got you. I, I'm, I'm going to swing this one your way. So the Bills win a very heartfelt game against a division rival, and they are moving on to the two seed in the AFC playoffs, and they won by the score of 35-23. to 23. Now, I say emotional because... Opening play, the Bills receive the kickoff. First thing they do, Naeem Himes, former Colt, runs back the kickoff for a touchdown. That was the first time in three years and three months since they've done that. What is DeMar Hamlin's number? Number three. You, you, you can't make these things up. You know what I'm saying? It's just threes all across, right? There's threes obviously outlined all across the NFL today for all the games that were played in, in, in dedication to him and his cause. But, man, another that was nuts. Another fact. That is the first time that Bill Belichick, since being the head coach for the Patriots, has given up an opening kickoff kick return for a touchdown. That's the first time. He's been the coach for the Patriots for the last Yeesh. 23 years. So, wow. A little bit of history there uh, in a negative fashion with the Patriots. I just wanted to kind of throw that in there. And that yeah, was no, boy, I mean. And that was your boy, Naheem Hines, bro. From uh, Indy, that, that's so. my dog. That's my dog. I love him. Um but just to kind of pose this to you, man, I know we're going to talk about the Patriots in a few minutes, so let's kind of focus on the Bills here. What are your thoughts with this Bills victory headed into the postseason? Oh, this was a fantastic win for the Bills. And just the emotion of this game kind of really took center stage, obviously with the DeMar Hamlin situation. Uh, thank God things have improved with him. It looks like he's making a pretty strong recovery. Based off of where we were a week ago, things were looking pretty dire. So to really have gone full circle from, you know, potentially him dying on the field in Cincinnati last week to where we are now, where he's making a full recovery. The Bills look like they're kind of rounding into that playoff form as we transition into the playoffs. 
the Bills needed this win today, and I thought they just played inspired football. And Kev, we were talking about this before we even started recording. There was no way in hell the Buffalo Bills were going to lose this game. And I'm a Patriot fan, and I know we'll talk about the Patriots in a little bit, but there was a part of me that really wanted the Bills to get this win just to you know put it on the backs of DeMar to you know just really focus and win that game for him. And really just from the start, I mean, you know, getting the kickoff return for a touchdown, New England did really kind of keep toe-to-toe with the Bills early on in that game. And then once Hines got that second kickoff return for a touchdown in the second half, I think that pretty much blew the game away in the second half. Josh Allen was able to hit some pretty big deep shot passes to Stephon Diggs and John Brown that really just blew the doors off of that Patriot defense. And then, I mean, it really just, it sent Buffalo into a frenzy with the type of production that they had throughout that game, especially in the second half. Um, The Bills are a team, as far as I'm concerned, they are a Super Bowl caliber team. And I know that they've gone through the ringer the last week with the DeMar Hamlin situation, but I really think that this team is really tight-knit. I think they're very focused on the task at hand. I think for them, you know, getting that number two seed was absolutely critical. And to knock out a division foe like the Patriots out of the playoffs in the process, I I think that probably felt pretty nice. But overall, the Bills are a team, as far as I see it, they're one of the most well-rounded teams in the NFL. They have a great offense led by Josh Allen. They have a great defense, even though they've had some injuries this year and one damn near catastrophic injury. They're still able to produce at a high clip. They're able to force uh, turnovers. They're able to rush the passer effectively. And I think as far as I see it, you know, I don't know if the Bills are going to go all, all the way to the Super Bowl. They're definitely a Super Bowl contender as far as I see it. Uh, the biggest thing I'm going to focus on with the Bills moving forward, can Josh Allen stop turning the ball over in the red zone? Unfortunately for him, he had another one. He got picked off by Devin McCourty uh, in that game against the Patriots. And I get the credit, give credit where credit is due to the Patriots. That Patriots defense played up to snuff against the Bills. Really, the biggest thing for me was that Bills special teams really kind of put the death nail in the coffin for the Patriots today. So... The Bills were able to get contributions across the board. Um, whether that transitions into the playoffs, we'll see. But like I said, the biggest thing when it comes to their offense is Josh Allen's got to stop turning the ball over in the red zone. And to a larger extent, the offense has to stop turning the ball over. I mean, they, I think Devin Singletary had a fumble against the Patriots today. And he fumbled it on their 10-15 yard line. You know, you can't have that. You can't have that type of mistake uh, when you're going into the playoffs. And, you know, it's essentially a single game elimination scenario there. So... You know, there's definitely some things that the Bills need to work on uh, going into uh, the wild card weekend. But as far as I see it, I think that they have their momentum at their back right now. They made some mistakes. I think they can adjust that going into the playoffs. And I think they're just going to rally around DeMar and they're going to try to dedicate this playoff run to DeMar Hamlin. And we'll kind of see where it goes from there. But this was a big win for them today. And like I said, they were not going to lose that game under any circumstances. And as far as I see it, Uh, They got a well-rounded performance from every single unit. Offense, defense, and special teams. Well-deserved win. And uh, to do it in uh, DeMar Hamlin's, uh, I guess, I wouldn't say favor, but to do it in spirit of him, that's a good game to to leave the season on and then transition into the playoffs with. So I'll leave it at that, but it was a good win for the Bills. We know the emotional roller coaster the Bills have been on the last week or two. We know everything that they've gone through with DeMar and the coaching staff and everything like that. So, like Kyle said, no shot in any of our minds that we thought that this was going to be a loss for the Bills. They had too much riding on this game. They had all the support in the world from pretty much the league. 
and what seemed to be all fans across the globe just cheering for them because of DeMar. And then you go and you run that opening kickoff. That was the spark plug. That was the immediate gear kicker right into the ignition. That was the NAS and the nitrous. And it was just incredible for them because it, it sparked an incredible game for them, albeit they had a few turnovers. But the Bills looked incredible uh, on the defensive side. They forced three interceptions on Mac. And I mean, they found a way to really get it done on special teams. That is just there. That's the MVP. Naeem Hines is 100% the MVP of this game, running back two kickoffs in the same game. And that was just absolutely incredible for them to see the defense swarming, to see the offense moving efficiently. Um, again, they just looked like a different team to an extent. They looked like they had a little bit of extra juice and rightfully so with everything that they've gone through over the course of the last two weeks or week and a half. So, I mean, I don't have much to kind of add there. Kyle already broke down the intermediate details about what happened throughout the game. But I mean, for the Bills to end the season on this note against the Patriots, which was a win and get in situation, I know we're going to talk about the Patriots in just a few moments, but I mean, if it wasn't for those two running touch running touchdowns, if it wasn't for those two returns, this is a whole different ball game. New England very well is in this game a lot more. And again, like Kyle had said, with Bill Belichick being focalized and known for more of his defensive and special team skills, for them to lose in that manner is just very uncharacteristic for them. So at the end of the day, Buffalo moves on to the two seed, and of course, it will be playing the seventh seed. Uh, Kyle, I'm drawing a blank. They're playing the Dolphins. They're playing up, up. So the Bills are going to go wipe the Dolphins off the face of the planet with all the injuries that they have going on and their piss-poor performance at the end of the year. But, I mean, like I said, a lot of people are cheering for the Bills, for the DeMar situation. They were our preseason prediction to win the Super Bowl this year. So, I mean, the DeMar situation kind of, like, elevates that prediction, I guess, because at the end of the day, if that's what happens... I'm I'm not going to be upset at that because that would make Kyle and I both right. And I think that that would be pretty cool for the city of Buffalo to hoist the Lombardi trophy for DeMar, his family and everything that this is, you know, kind of meant to this organization. But, you know, kudos to Buffalo. And, uh, you know, I can't wait for that uh, inevitable, hopefully, either Joe Burrow or should I say Joseph against Josh Allen in the AFC championship or another Mahomes and Allen rematch, because that's what's bound to be. Yeah, I think the Bills definitely have the pieces to be able to make an AFC Championship game this year. And I think with the just the emotional support that they have behind them, not only from the city of Buffalo, I would say the NFL to a larger extent. I, I think a lot of I think a lot of NFL fans across uh, the spectrum here are really backing the Bills just based off of the year that they've had. I mean, Kev, I mean, you know, kind of take the, the Demar Hamlet situation uh, away for a second. I mean. Buffalo's kind of gone through a difficult year just as a city. I mean, right? Either they had the blizzard a couple of weeks back where they got like 84 inches of snow. I mean, 84 inches, that's seven feet. You know, and, and the community okay. was able to still rally behind the team. They were still able to just put all their energy into some of the things that were happening internally within the city, um, whether it be nature or just something happening in the city. And then... You know, you have the whole Demar Hamlin situation take place, which I think, I think really just from a Buffalo perspective, I, man, you want to talk about a gut punch at first? That that was a big one, but you could just tell that the city has really rallied behind Demar. Obviously, Demar is recovering, and albeit I would say a significant fashion. I mean, he he's still in critical condition, but he is definitely improving uh, tenfold from where he was a week ago. So, as far as I see it, you know. I think that that momentum can really set the Bills up for a really nice playoff run. But 
you know, the AFC is loaded, my guy. You know, so it's not going to be an easy task for them to get to another AFC championship game. You know, you've got to contend with players like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. You've got to contend with uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And albeit, you know, going up against the Dolphins, I, I know the Dolphins have been shaky at times this year, but they were able to beat the Bills earlier in the season. Granted, it was Only in September. Team back then. I understand that. But it is a divisional rival. Right. And I mean, I mean, look, look at the Eagles and the Giants. The Eagles should have won that game fairly handily against the Giants. And the Giants only lost by six points. So I, I'm telling you right now, I know a lot of people are probably going to pen in the Dol uh, the Dolphins to lose that game by 30. And we don't know the, st the status of Tua going into that game or hell, even Teddy Bridgewater going into that game. But I'm saying things can be, I'm not sitting in stone yet when it comes to the Bills just automatically walking to the AFC Championship game. They're going to have to play up the snuff. But I do think that that emotional momentum that they have with DeMar behind them, I think that's absolutely crucial for them moving forward. So, Big time. You know, it, it, honestly, it, it's just nice to see that uh, DeMar is actually able to communicate with the rest of the world and, and kind of give up these updates uh, from his hospital room. So, I mean, j j just as like, you know, looking at, him specifically for a second you know the, he, he's making tremendous progress in his recovery and you know honestly i just i wish the guy nothing but the best moving forward i mean i'm not talking about playoff career i'm like bro like his life just life like you know if he's able to attend to that and i like i don't even have to question like his motivation to to get back to 100 he i mean the guy has an engine unlike a lot of people's, you know, to basically be on the precipice of death. And then basically a week later, you know, you're rallying the team, you're rallying Buffalo, you're rallying uh, the NFL to a larger extent. There's no doubt in my mind that he's going to make a full recovery. Agreed. So, yeah, but unfortunately there is a flip side uh, to uh, the Bills game. Uh, and that is the Patriots. So uh, they're my team. So I'm not going to have any enjoyment with this, but Kev, I'll, I'll let you set this one up. Yeah, I mean, this one's all you, buddy. I mean, with with how you guys had the up and down year, with everything that you've gone through between offensive coordinator issues, Mac Jones injury issues, uh, I mean, the, the defense completely carrying you basically throughout the entire season. What are your thoughts on this game and how you guys performed to end the season? The Patriots have just been a disappointing team this year. And looking back at this game against the Bills, it lived up to that same expectation. Uh, there have been times where I think the Patriots have looked like a pretty solid team. And even in points throughout this game against the Bills, they definitely showed flashes of what they had last year. I mean, they made it to the playoffs last year in Mac Jones' rookie year and looked like a pretty solid team, um, despite the fact that Mac was inexperienced. And then you have this game in particular where Mac looked phenomenal in the first half. Mac was able to hit Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry. They were able to establish offensive consistency, and they had a good rhythm in the first half against a vaunted team like the Bills. And then the second half happened. You know, Mac Jones had some turnovers. The, the offense was just kind of sputtering. They couldn't really get anything consistently going late in the fourth quarter. And unfortunately, they find themselves uh, in the L column here and outside of the playoffs. And they had an opportunity to make the playoffs had they won this game against the Bills. But I think the focal piece that we have to look at here was the special teams let them down in this game against the Bills. Two kickoff returns for a touchdown. You cannot have that. 
if you were to take away those two special teams touchdowns that the Bills scored in this game, the Bills would have lost this game by the score of 23 to 21. Now you could say, well, the Bills could have potentially gotten touchdowns on that drive. And I take that point into account, but special teams to me was the difference maker in this game. And Naeem Hines, man, he played up to snuff and the Patriots just didn't have an answer for him. That kickoff unit for the Patriots against the Bills, just utterly disgraceful as far as I see it. I thought the offense played decent throughout the game. The defense kept them in it, but the special teams lost them this game. There's no other way to say it. And it really just has been the Patriots MO this year. There's just been times where just one element of the team or two elements of the team are playing really well, but then there's another element of the team where they just falter at the wrong time and they find themselves in a loss. There have been multiple times throughout the season where they've had opportunities and they've let them squander. This was a game where they probably had a decent chance to possibly win this game. You have the Jacoby Myers situation where he has the backwards lateral. Chandler Jones catches it. He runs for a touchdown and the Raiders beat the Patriots. The Patriots get absolutely smacked by the Bears earlier in the season and the Bears were one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. They have the number one pick this year. There were times where they went up against top tier talent like the Ravens got absolutely smoked. Uh, the Bills, same thing, could not step up to the plate and, and make plays happen. So it just seemed like, to me, the Patriots were never in rhythm the entire year. Uh, the offensive play calling was spotty. Uh, defensive performances were spotty. The special teams were spotty at times this year. They just were never able to get into a consistent rhythm the entire year. And to be quite honest with you, Kev, despite how bad that they looked, they had an opportunity to make the playoffs. And unfortunately, they find themselves in an 8-9 and nine record. And there are going to be a lot of questions about how this team is going to move forward. Who's going to be the play caller for next year? Is it going to be Matt Patricia? Or do they look at potentially somebody else to bring someone else into the fold? Do they look at Bill O'Brien to possibly become the future offensive coordinator for the Patriots? You know, that's something that the Patriots have to consider. I think more than likely, this was the last game that we will see Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater as New England Patriots. I think retirement is a real possibility for both of them. And when David Andrews was asked about those two in particular with Devin McCourty and Matt Slater, he got very emotional about that in his post-game press conference. So that leads me to believe that more than likely, you know, two of the Patriots stalwarts when it comes to their captains are probably more than likely on the way out. And I have to say just to both of them, you know, when it comes to Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater, I, I mean, I tip to, the cap for both of those guys. Matthew Slater is one of the best special teams players that we've seen in this generation. And Devin McCourty has just been an absolute general of that defense for over a decade plus. And if this happened to be the last game for these two in particular, it's unfortunate that this has to be the way that things go out for them. But I mean, when it comes to their individual careers, they've been phenomenal. They won multiple Super Bowls and, uh, Unfortunately, this isn't the best result to go out on, but nonetheless, I mean, great careers in both of those guys in particular, but there's a lot of questions when it comes to the Patriots moving forward. I still believe that Matt Jones is the quarterback to roll with. I do not believe he is the issue. I think it is the offensive coaching staff that needs to be adjusted. They're going to have issues on the defense with losing Devin McCourty as what I would consider the captain of the defense, and we're going to have to see some younger players step up uh, to fill that void, which is going to be a difficult task. So things are going to be a little bit shaky in New England going into this offseason. And um, we'll kind of see how they 
move into the offseason with this unfortunate result of getting knocked out of a potential playoff berth, uh, losing to the Bills in Week 18. But, Kev, that's all I have to say about it. The floor is yours. I mean, that's your team. I don't really have much to add to it. I, I will just kind of end it on this note. I need you, well, before you pan out to me, you gave me some statistics defensively for the Patriots. And I need you to share that with the audience because some of these numbers with this record, just the math don't math. So give me some of those <laughs> defensive stats because I'm, I'm in awe. Well, when it came to turnovers, the Patriots had 29 turnovers as a defensive unit. That's number two in the NFL. Points off turnovers. We have a really bad offense, and I'm putting that into context here. We had over 100. We finished as the number one team with points off of turnovers. And by and large, a lot of those points actually came off of defensive touchdowns. So not only were we able to get those turnovers, we were able to immediately convert them into points within that same play. I think the Patriots had six or seven defensive touchdowns this year. That's unheard of when it comes to me as a Patriot fan. I've been watching the Patriots as long as I've been alive. The amount of defensive turnovers and touchdowns that they got in the same play, it was unbelievable. So as far as I see it, the, the defense is solid. It's just the offensive play calling and then special teams at times. But yeah, and, and then on top of that, th they were one of the best teams in the NFL to get to the get to the quarterback. I believe they were a top five team in sacks this year. If they weren't top five, they were definitely top 10. So defensively, they, they played up to snuff. It's just some of the pieces didn't work out with them on the offensive side of the ball and special teams. So thank you for that, because I know that there was a whole lot of information there packed. So, I mean, you guys heard it here first. One of the best teams in the league in defense, one of the best teams in the league <clears throat> at forcing turnovers. And then you go and you look at the opposite side. The offense was lackluster. There were a lot of situations where Mac Jones was just put in terrible situations. Um, you look at Matt Patricia and you just say, what the hell are you doing with the playbook? Like, why did you just overcomplicate this? Why did you make this something that is not functioning or fluid for him coming off of a rookie season where he had a great year postseason birth and then you have a complete regression I again cannot sit here and go and look at Mac Jones and say this is 100% your fault you had a sophomore slump you suck no there were a lot of instances where the play calling came to blows in terms of verbally where there was disagreements on the sideline and people were saying well Mac's got to have a better character he's got to have better poise Tom Brady is in his 500th season, and he yells at every single offensive coordinator and every single offensive lineman, and nobody bats a fucking eye. So please, if a second-year player that had a great rookie year comes into a completely different system and regresses, I would be very pissed, pissed off too, especially when I know that in history, this offensive coordinator is supposed to be coaching the defensive team. I'm going to be livid saying, what the hell are you calling? So I'm not going to give him a pass but I definitely understand and feel his frustrations because he should not be this bad. And I think if they do bring in Bill O'Brien, that it, he will revert similarly back to the rookie season. I won't say he will have a hundred percent turnaround because that Josh McDaniel system just works perfectly for new England system. And it always has as long as he's been there. Um, so I will just leave you with this. If the Patriots can get the offense together, if the Patriots can find a way to just tweak some of those special teams errors and, and, and knowing Bill Belichick, him being a special teams guy, they will find a way to fix it, even without future Hall of Famer Matt Slater. I firmly believe the Patriots can be running again for a playoff berth deep in the playoffs because in January, what matters the most is defense.
I will die on this hill. Defense wins championships. If the Patriots were to bring this defense into the postseason and Mac can just perform at an average capacity with one to no zero to one one to zero turnovers, this team is scary. I told you already, Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris, when they get downhill, the play action, how they're able to keep the offense, or should I say keep the defense on the field, get them tired, defense gets rest on that other side. Dude, the Patriots are no joke. They ended the season under 500, 8 and 9. It happens. These these up and down years are you're not you don't have Tom Brady anymore. It's just, it's just no guarantee. But what I'm getting at is tweak that offense, fix it. Just fix it. You will be fine. Get some weapons in there, resign some players. I feel it and I hate admitting it, but with a defense like this and all the statistical categories that they led, especially points off turnovers, that's one of the biggest stats in NF in the NFL. So just fix the offense. I think the Patriots will be right back in the playoffs next season. I think I've Brady been on this team, bro. This low key might be a Super Bowl team. Oh God. See what I mean? No, 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 no. no. I, I'm saying I, I, you brought up Brady. That was the reason why I brought up the point because Kev, the, the Patriots and the Bucks finished at the same record. So one team's going to the playoffs. One isn't. It's just yeah, true. You know, and, and I don't want to like, I'm not going to slight Mac. I'm just basically saying like, if, if Tom Brady were the quarterback of the Patriots with this current roster construction, the Patriots might go to the Super Bowl with this team. They, they would have that chance. I mean, obviously the AFC is loaded, but nonetheless, that would be a pretty solid team from top to bottom if they had that roster. But no, no, I, I take your points uh, with a hundred percent validity. You know, to me, I think the Patriots are just going to go through some growing pains for the next couple of years. I mean, obviously you have a young quarterback and defensively, they are going through a transition. You know, I would say that they're going from that Super Bowl. I'll focus on the defense here for a second. You know, you had great players like Dante Hightower, Devin McCourty. Um, You had guys like JC Jackson that were essentially huge focal pieces of that defense. But, you know, J.C. Jackson is no longer there. Devin McCourty is basically on the edge of retirement. And Dante Hightower is, I think he's, he hasn't retired officially, but I think he's, he, he's, he was a free agent this year, so he didn't play. Um, You know, and there's going to be a little bit of some growing pains that come along with that transition uh, when it comes to young players that are getting that start time. But I do think that they have a pretty solid core of guys to work with. Matt Judon, I think, is a great pass rusher. Dietrich Wise actually had a really solid year of getting to the pass, uh, getting to the quarterback this year. Uh, he got multiple sacks. I think Josh Uche is a guy on the rise. Josh Uche, I believe, had like 10-plus sacks, and he was getting sacks left and right in like a five- or six-game stretch this year. He is definitely showing some major promise. Uh, I love Jonathan Jones in, in the uh, secondary. Kyle Duggar is great as a safety. Uh, to me, he's going to probably be that defensive captain for the Patriots within two to three years. He's on that trajectory, and he has been an absolute stud since he's gotten the start in the defense. Now, when it comes to the offense, I think if they're able to change the offensive coordinator situation there, I think they'll be able to bounce back pretty quickly. Um, you know, they went 11-5 and last year, made the playoffs, got absolutely smoked by the Bills. You lost to the Bills. It happens. And you pretty much bring back the same core of guys, and yet you have an 8-9 and record, and there were some games that they definitely left there out on the field. I think if they just bring in somebody where Mac has more trust in the offensive play calling, 
I think it's going to set them up for a great run next year. I don't know if it's going to be to the point where they're going to contend for an AFC East division. I still believe the Bills are head and shoulders above them in that regard. You could even say the Dolphins probably have a little bit of an edge on them, even despite the fact that the Dolphins finished the year terribly. The Dolphins barely made the playoffs, and they had some injury issues on top of that that didn't help. But no, the Patriots are a team not to be slept on. I I, I will leave it at that. But I'm going to be patient with them. Uh, This is a team that's still relatively young offensively. Defensively, they're going through a transition. And obviously, probably one of the biggest biggest things that we're going to see moving forward is how long is Bill going to coach? I think Bill is still committed to coaching. I, I don't think that he has really given the impression that he's going to retire anytime soon. Uh, he is getting up there in age, but I still believe that he is, he, I mean, he's the best coach in NFL history. And I, I don't see the drive slowing down uh, in the foreseeable future. Uh, something would have to really, uh, something significant would have to happen if uh, Bill Belichick were to lead the Patriots. You know, and, and that may be the only way that I could see Bill Belichick leaving, uh, not on his own terms, is if Robert Kraft fires him. But I don't think that you get rid of a guy like Bill Belichick. I think he's just too valuable. Unless it just becomes a consistency of ineptitude where it's sub-500 records, they're missing multiple playoff runs. You know, then maybe that, that that's a situation where you bring a new coach into the fold. But... To me, I still believe in Bill. I still believe he's the best guy to lead that, uh, to lead the Patriots as a head coach. And to be quite honest with you, internally, I don't see anybody on that Patriot coaching staff that can rise to the level to be able to continue some sort of success if Bill were to leave on his own terms or if he were to be fired. So, you know, the Patriots are in an unstable situation, but I believe that it's a fixable situation. So, could things be better? Yeah. But could things be worse? Definitely. Things could be a lot worse. So obviously it's a disappointing end to the regular season, but we'll go into the off season and we'll see if they can tweak the offensive coaching staff. And honestly, I think that that can bring some well-needed change to the Patriots going into uh, 2023 and then 2024. I do think that Mac's the guy. I, I, I've seen too much from Mac Jones uh, to tell me Mac's the guy. Mac's going to be a solid quarterback. Is he going to be somebody like who's going to go to the Hall of Fame? I have no idea. I doubt it. But I've seen too much from Mac, and it points me in the direction of this guy's a good quarterback. He just has to be given the right offensive coordinator around him. And as far as I see it, that's huge. It's absolutely critical. So with that said, uh, we will transition into our wild card weekend first impressions. So just to kind of give you guys just essentially the rundown of what the playoff bracket is going to look like in the first week of the playoffs. Uh, I'll start with the NFC and then I'll transition to the AFC. So as of right now, the the Packers are still playing the Lions. Um, Kev, are the Packers winning that game? Lions currently just took the lead with a touchdown in the third quarter. It is 13 to 9. Hold on. It just went away. 13 to 9, Detroit. How much time is left in the third quarter? Uh, six minutes. Okay, so there, there, there's still time. Just so, time. All right, so the way that we have it, uh, we'll start from the two seed, uh, and then we'll work uh, the th- to the three and the four seed. So as of right now, if things were to remain ho- on hold, technically the San Francisco 49ers would go up against the Seattle Seahawks. And then moving to the third seed, the Vikings would play the New York Giants. 
the four seed in the Buccaneers will play the Dallas Cowboys. And then with the one seed with the Eagles, uh, they have that bye week, so they wouldn't be playing. And, and when it goes to that 49ers and Seahawks game, that's interchangeable depending if the Packers win, then the Packers would play the 49ers, just to kind of give you guys a little bit of that context. To flip it to the AFC, starting at the two seed, the Buffalo Bills are going up against the seven seed in Miami Dolphins. With the number three seed in the Cincinnati Bengals, they will be going up against the Baltimore Ravens. With the four-seeded Jacksonville Jaguars, they will be going up against the fifth-seeded Los Angeles Chargers. And then similar to the Eagles, the Chiefs have the number one seed, so they will they will not be playing in the wild-card weekend in that first week of the playoffs. So, Kev, we've set up the first week of the NFL playoffs. We've got the wild-card weekend set up for next week. Give me your first impressions of these matchups for next week's playoff round in that wild card weekend. I mean, this is just going to be short and sweet guys. Cause we're going to get into our full dive uh, later this week into the analysis of each game. But regardless, it's going to just happen the way that I see it like this in the NFC, San Francisco, best team in the conference by far, not even close. I know that Philly has the one seed. If Philly would have lost today, San Fran would have 100% gotten it. So that's, let's just put that into context. But despite whoever comes out of this game, in terms of if Green Bay wins, if Detroit wins, whoever comes out of this particular matchup, I think San Fran's taking that no matter what. I think if it's Seattle, I think that San Francisco walks all over them. I think Green Bay gives them a little bit more of a headache because of how much of a streak Green Bay ended the season on because of what they did to Green Bay last year. So the, the taste in, in Green Bay's mouth, I know Aaron Rodgers def, definitely did not forget um, that struggle of a game that they had last year in the postseason. So I think that that would be a little bit more competitive. I think that San Francisco comes out no matter what. That defense is warming. Brock Purdy's playing incredible. Debo Samuel is back. I mean, the connection that Brock has developed with George Kittle as well has just been, it, it's been great, especially with the run game of CMC just looking like CMC from a couple of years ago before all the injuries. I think San Francisco is going to walk away with this game again, despite no matter who comes out as the seventh seed. Now, when you look at the three and the six, it's a little bit more confusing for me just because Minnesota's had some games where they look good. Then they've had some games where they get shit on. New York is, is a team that you can really rally behind with Daniel Jones having a, a resurgent uh, fourth year in the league. Saquon Barkley's looked relatively well this year. The pass rush of the Giants has looked really good. So, I mean, I would say that this would be a closer game, but just for the sake of best receiver in the league, Justin Jefferson, the Giants do not have a shutdown lockdown corner like a Darius Slay or a Sauce Gardner. I think that this game ends up going away. I think that Dalvin Cook ends up running all over the Giants, and I think that Kirk Cousins finally can move on to that next round of the divisional, um, and I think that the Vikings are going to pull off that, uh, that W in Minnesota. I wouldn't be surprised if New York gives them a, a hard time because, again, the pass rush and the weakness of the offensive line of Minnesota, so I'll kind of just leave it at that. And then the four and the five seed. I think that Dallas loses. I don't care how it happens. I don't care when it happens. I don't give a shit if, 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 if the Cowboys don't even show up. I just I don't have any faith in them. Granted, this Buccaneers team has been the epitome of inconsistent with the offensive line struggles, the offensive woes of not being able to run the football, Tom Brady being sacked a couple different times, um, him being careless with the football the last couple of weeks and the year. Um, I just I personally do not have faith in Dak Prescott to lead a team into a Super Bowl. Like Kyle said earlier in the segment, I don't see Dallas. If Dallas does by some miracle of God and whatever it is you believe in and they beat Tampa at home, they're done the next week depending on who they play. 
just because, again, like I said, the inconsistencies at the offensive line could pose to be a favorable matchup for Micah Parsons and that pass rush of the Cowboys to decide to wake up. That could be the spark plug to at least revitalize Dallas on the offensive side as well, because if they're forcing turnovers on Tom Brady, that's giving Dak more, uh, more opportunities to score on the offensive side. But to flip it, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. That is literally all I have to say. The Bucks defense has been playing better as of late. Today was an outlier because they rested most of their starters after the first quarter. So it didn't really make a difference because they had solidified their seeding as the four. So I wouldn't look too much in this, into this week. But in terms of Dallas going into the playoffs, doesn't look good for them. Brady was rested. They're going to be fine. I think that the, the Buccaneers, I think the Buccaneers win a close one. I just think it, between both Offense is struggling lately. I, I think the Bucks win a close one, but I have the Buccaneers moving on to face the Philadelphia Eagles in the uh, in the next round. Yeah, and then to flip it over to the AFC, now that Kev uh, finished the NFC uh, for the wildcard weekend, I'll go over the AFC wildcard matchups. So at the number two seed, we have the Buffalo Bills going up against the seven-seeded Miami Dolphins. Uh, this will be the third time that both teams have played each other since they're both division rivals. I think the Bills win this one fairly convincingly. When it comes to the Dolphins, they have too many injury issues at the quarterback position. We don't know Tua's status going into next week. I would assume that he's going to play. Um, if he weren't, I don't even think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to play. So there's a lot of question marks when it comes to Miami. Uh, they did not look convincing in their Week 18 win against the Jets. None nonetheless, it was enough to make the playoffs. But going up against a team like the Buffalo Bills with the emotional backing that they have from DeMar Hamlin right now. I think the Bills are going to be a tough out. I don't see the Buffalo losing that game at home to the Dolphins. I think the Bills pretty much run away with that one. That defense is way too vaunted going up against a, a Dolphins offense that is relatively lackluster right now. And even if you were to put Tua in that situation, I just don't see Miami going up to Buffalo and winning that game. So I got the Buffalo Bills advancing to the divisional round. To kick it to the three seed, the Cincinnati Bengals will be going up against the Baltimore Ravens. Kind of similar to what I just outlined with the Bills. I think the Bengals are going to be a tough out as well. And I think going up against the Ravens, I think they will win this one fairly convincingly. Even though that it is a divisional rival game, this will be the third time that they've played each other this year. I just have way too many question marks with the Ravens. There's a good chance that Lamar Jackson can play in this wildcard round against the Bengals. But even if that's the case, I don't know what his status is going to be. Is he going to be 100%? Is he going to be 80 90%? We don't really know. Uh, just because he could potentially play, it doesn't really, it doesn't guarantee anything uh, for the Ravens in this one. Their offense has been relatively lackluster this year. Their defense has been spotty. And going up against a team like the Bengals, the Bengals have been one of the better teams in the second half in the NFL this entire season. And, they damn near got the number two seed had the Bills lost to the Patriots in week 18. Uh, Joe Burrow looks like he is getting back into that rhythm, very similar to what the Bills were, uh, not the Bills, what the Bengals were able to establish last year that got them all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, the Bengals are going to be a very tough out. Uh, low key, they could be another dark horse team that could make a Super Bowl this year. So in this game in particular, I think the Bengals uh, win this one fairly convincingly against the Ravens. And then to kick it to the four and five matchup, we got the four seeded Jacksonville Jaguars going up against the Los Angeles Chargers. The Jags are going to be home for this game. But to be quite honest with you, I did not see a convincing statement from the Jaguars against the Titans in that game. Uh, it took a forced fumble late in the fourth quarter for the Jaguars to get that win. And Joshua Dobbs, 
who has been moving around the NFL this year from team to team, damn near beat the Jags when the Jags needed that game uh, to get into the playoffs. Now, granted, the Jags won that game, but to me, there's still some issues that I see with Jacksonville. Their defense is no joke. Their defense has stepped up time and time again. And I think if Trevor Lawrence can establish good consistency on the offense, I think it could potentially lead to a win. When it comes to the Chargers, the Chargers lost to the Broncos in the last week of the year, but Mike Williams hurt his back in that game, got carted off the field. And we don't know what his status is going to be going into next week's game against the Jags. So it depends on what sort of Chargers team we get against the Jags. Are we going to see a team where that defense can step up and get some turnovers? Can Justin Herbert put two to three touchdowns on the board, throw for 300, 350 yards passing? Can Austin Eckler be effective out of the backfield? There's a lot of question marks with the Chargers right now. I'm actually going to pit the Chargers in this one. I don't have a lot of faith. This is a game where, to be quite honest with you, it could go either way. I could see Jacksonville winning this one in a very close game. I could see the Chargers winning this one in a close game. I just think at the end of the day, I think Justin Herbert is going to step up and make the plays that needed to be made over Trevor Lawrence. And I think that's going to be the difference maker. The Chargers defense has been shaky at times and them giving up 30 points to the Denver Broncos in the last week of the year is indicative of that. But I do believe that the Chargers defense is going to be able to step up, make some plays, force some turnovers against Trevor Lawrence. And then I think the Chargers squeak by, and I mean squeak by it against the Jaguars to potentially move to the divisional round. So I think it's going to be an action-packed wildcard weekend nonetheless, but just to kind of round out the AFC portion, I've got the Bills advancing to the divisional round. I've got the Bengals advancing, and then I also have the Chargers advancing as well. But I think it's going to be an awesome wildcard weekend, and I can't wait for it to happen next weekend. I just, again, kind of repeating myself here, but man, the fact that the playoffs are already here, I feel like I blinked and five, six months flew. So exactly. the fact that we're here is awesome. But at the same time, it's kind of like we have like felt three, like, four weeks left of the freaking NFL season to begin with. And it's just like, shit. It felt like training camp just happened. Right. Like we, when we were doing our, uh, our preseason pr- previews of how we thought the season was going to play out. And it's just, it, it's gone in the blink of an eye. Like you said, it's just, it, it happens every year though. <clears throat> so, you know, it comes down to the last three or four weeks. We just got to enjoy it. And honestly, we'll just kind of let the chips fall where they may. But um, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a great playoff uh, as far Hopefully. as I see it. So obviously um, we had the, uh, the Rams win last year. They got nowhere close to making the playoffs this year. Uh, the Bengals uh, able to get back into the playoffs, but you know, I'm telling you like when it comes to the AFC, there's some real, some real legitimate threats to make make it to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. I think they all got a real shot to make the Super Bowl in the NFC. The Eagles, the 49ers. Uh, those are the two teams that like I look at that could really make a Super Bowl run this year from the NFC. So yeah, it's 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 stacked. No matter how you look at it on yeah. on both sides. So like you said, it's going to be a good one. But like we do every year, um, we have some NFL end of the year awards. The MVP. Defensive player of the year, all these different things. So, Kyle, um, how do you want to do this? Do you want to just kind of match and see who's got what, or like, do you just want to go as a cohesive unit? Yeah, I mean, we'll go back and forth, uh, just okay. because we we may have some differences here and there. Uh, we may yeah. have some consistencies, but um, I think we'll just kind of do it similar to what we did with the uh, with the wild card weekend. I, I'll I'll kick it to you first, and then you can kick it back to me. So, just 
we have a little bit of a of a difference when it comes to uh, how we see these awards playing out. So, um, like Kevin had already alluded, uh, we're going to go over our NFL awards from this past regular season. Now that the regular season is over and we're transitioning into the playoffs, uh, we're going to go over some of the basic award winners that we think are going to get some pretty uh, top-end awards from this past season. Uh, pretty simple. We'll go over who we think is going to win MVP, Coach of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, and Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year. So, Kev, to kick this one to you, who are you? Who are your award winners from this past regular season now that we're transitioning into the playoffs? Well, if we had to look at it um, in no particular order, I mean, MVP for me has got to be Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the the year that he had 45 total touchdowns, over 5,200 yards, top seed in the AFC, record of 14 and three. I mean, he is undefeated in his career on the road against AFC West opponents. He is just a monster amongst what seems to be little tiny people because he just he's always playing up to snuff. I think his only competition at one point was Jalen Hurts. And I think truly if Jalen was not injured, I think that Jalen could have taken that away from him. I think Philly would have sealed that division a while ago, but that's neither here nor there. MVP, I got Pat Mahomes. Um, Offensive rookie of the year, I have to go with Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State. I mean... I can't believe it took Seattle that long to kind of insert him into the starting lineup. I mean, you know, you had Rashad Penny hurt and a couple of other instances that had to kind of put him into the situation forcibly. But I mean, they never looked back afterwards. He's just had an incredible rookie campaign. He is solely the reason why Seattle is in the position it is today next to Geno Smith, because let's just face it, they run the ball so much with Pete Carroll as that head coach, and they try to have a balanced offense as much as humanly possible. And I think that Kenneth Walker compliments Geno perfectly for that offense, and I think that it's just run so very fluid. Then you go and you look at the defensive rookie of the year. That's Sauce Gardner. I mean, he is one of the main reasons why the Jets had one of the best defenses in the in the entire NFL. I think he is probably the best corner prospect we have seen come out of college in the last 10 to 15 years. His impact was immediate. The competition he faced, I mean, he just locked up what seemed to be anybody that was in front of him. And it was incredible. So I, I just have to go out there and say that straight up. I mean, the, the man was a, like, he was just an animal. And there's no other way to say it. Shout out to Sauce. I mean, he had an incredible campaign. And I know that there were a couple of other players that you can kind of have the conversation. I'm, I'm, I, his name escapes me, but the um, the corner in Seattle, if I'm not mistaken, Tyron Woolen or, or what's 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 his name? Woolen. I always I, I always forget. I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm literally looking up his name. I just have it clicked here. And of course, an advertisement's going to pop up. So you know what I'm getting at? Sauce is going to be that defensive rookie of the year. For me, head coach of the year has got to go to Kyle Shanahan. I mean, if it wasn't for Philly winning this game, the 49ers would have come back, won 10 games in a row, and solidified themselves as the number one team in the NFC. I mean, he did it not with one quarterback, not with two, but with three. A third-string quarterback closed out the season with the league's best defense, and they are now poised to make a deep, once again, deep playoff run for what seems to be the third or fourth year in a row. The San Francisco 49ers are absolutely no joke. They're probably the scariest team in the playoffs, and I include that with the Chiefs and the Bills and all those other teams as well. But when you look at what Kyle Shanahan has had to overcome, injuries to the entire team. I mean, George Kittle was injured at one point. Christian McCaffrey's been going through injuries. Debo Samuel was hurt. Again, you lose Trey Lance at the beginning of the year. Jimmy Garoppolo goes down a couple of months ago, and then you have to insert the Mr. Irrelevant pick of Brock Purdy, who ends up having an incredible closeout to the year. 
I can't really make another argument. I know that they didn't finish with the league's best record, but with all of the adversity they had to go through as a team, Kyle Shanahan, it, to me, it's not even close. I know Nick Sirianni had a great year, but they lost a couple of games they probably shouldn't have. There were some inconsistencies and troubles um, on the sideline this year with uh, Gardner Minshew and A.J. Brown. So, I mean, like you can make the argument or discussion that maybe there were some in-locker room issues as well, but not to say that that's his fault. Again, it just looks like, to me, with everything that happened in San Fran, He's his clear-cut favorite. And then to kind of coincide with that, my defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa, 18 and a half sacks, leader of that defense. I mean, he's just an animal. He's a man amongst boys. His impact is felt immediately. Whenever he is injured and comes right back, he is just a force to be reckoned with. It's not a joke. And I think that truthfully and honestly, he's probably one of the best pure pass rushers in the NFL. And I mean, he's only been in the league, what, four years, three years at most, four years at most, but I think maybe three or four I, I just think that Nick Bosa is just an incredible athlete and it just would fit perfectly to have the coach of the year and defensive player of the year on the same team. Kev, I, you laid out a pretty good list there. Um, I'm just going to go in order based off of what I have it here on, on my computer. Uh, I'll start with my MVP and then just kind of work my way down from there. So uh, MVP, uh, very similar to you, Kev. I've got Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had another fantastic season, another 5,000-yard passing uh, season just the dude is just a model of consistency I know that they had some they had some roster tweaks that they made this past offseason uh, Demarcus Robinson was no longer on the team Tyreek Hill was no longer on the team and yet despite that inserting guys like Marcus Vada Scanling and Juju Smith-Schuster the offense was able to flourish at a high level this year the Chiefs finished as the number one seed in the AFC Patrick Mahomes it's getting to the point now where this is just what we are going to see from him year in and year out. The guy is just an absolute machine. And I think he's really set them up for a nice playoff run in Kansas City. And as far as I see it with Patrick Mahomes leading the way, you can never count that guy out uh, to make a potential Super Bowl run, especially with Andy Reid at the helm. Uh, going into, I guess I'll just go in this order. Uh, if I'm going to go with coach of the year, I'm going to go with Nick Sirianni. Uh, Kev, I was really debating on whether or not to go with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, similar in your way as well. I am going to go with Nick simply just because when I look at what Nick was able to do this year compared to last year, the Eagles made it into the playoffs as a wild card team last year, and then they were able to not only improve in that mark, they finished as the number one team in the NFC with a 14-3 and record, the number one seed, and they had the first round by in the playoffs. Uh, to me, when it comes to the Eagles, the Eagles are one of the more well-rounded teams in the NFL. Offensively, they're solid with Jalen Hurts running the RPO. They have great running backs in their running back core with Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell. I mean, this team is loaded on the offensive side, and I'm not even including guys like A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins. This team is nothing to slack about. And I think Nick Sirianni has done a great job with the offense. But not only that, the defense has stepped up tremendously. Uh, they're one of the best teams in NFL history to sack the quarterback. They're able to force turnovers. And I think they set themselves up for a pretty nice playoff run. And I think it's really based off of the effort of what Nick was able to bring to the table as their head coach. Uh, going into comeback player of the year. Kev, this is a toss-up for me. Um, it's either Geno Smith or Jared Goff. I'm going to go with Jared Goff simply just because when it comes to the Lions, if you guys don't know, I look at the Detroit Lions as essentially like a black hole in the NFL, simply just because a lot of careers just go to die there. 
But that has not been the case this year. And I think Jared Goff has rallied this team alongside Dan Campbell as well to put the Lions back into relevance. Because for a long time throughout my entire course of my life, the Lions have been one of the worst teams in NFL history as far as I see it. But even though they fell short of making the playoffs this year, I thought Jared Goff was a solid quarterback to lead that offense that is young and I think is only going to get better as time goes along. Uh, the chemistry that he was able to build with Amon Ross St. Brown, I think what they have in the backfield alongside uh, Jamal Williams, uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, they got a pretty solid offense. You know, you could also throw Reynolds in there. Um, I think that this offense is really set up for a nice run for the next couple of years, but I think Jared Goff is that mainstay uh, for the Lions. And I do think that if the Lions are able to establish this type of consistency on the offense with Jared Goff playing what I would consider is above average football. The Lions could potentially make the playoffs next year or maybe two years down the road simply just based off of what Jared can bring to the table. So I'll give it to Jared Goff as far as comeback player of the year, but my honorable mention will be Geno Smith uh, just because not a lot of people really gave him a lot of credit going into this season. A lot of people rode off the Seahawks as soon as Russell was traded to Denver, but Geno has kept that team afloat and he's been consistent as far as I've seen this year. Um, unfortunately for them, they kind of faltered in the second half of the year. But I think Gino has, I kind of put the naysayers to the side a little bit based off of what he did this year with his production. So he established good chemistry with uh, with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and we'll see whether or not the, that Seattle tends to roll with that in the foreseeable future. Uh, when it comes to defensive rookie of the year, very similar to you, Kev. I'm going with Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner is really one of the up-and-coming corners in the league. And, you know, for him to establish that type of title already, I'll tell you what, the Jets are going to have a really good mainstay in that secondary moving forward. Uh, he's a guy that he will go up against your best wide receiver, and he could do a great job in locking down, and not only an opposing wide receiver, but a great opposing wide receiver. And I think just as the years go along, he will be able to continue that dominance in that cornerback slot. And who knows, he could potentially become one of the best corners in the NFL. I, I can't really put him at the top of the list right now. I still believe that there are some other corners that are out there in the NFL that are better than him, but he is on that pathway to become uh, one of the top NFL corners within probably the next two or three years. I think he's on that type of track. And I, I, just to kind of like blow it out a little bit to, to the Jets here, I think the Jets got a lot of young talent to work with, and he's definitely the leader of the pack as far as I see it. Um, when it comes to, to defensive player of the year, Kev, same thing. I'm going with Nick Boza. Nick Boza is just an absolute beast. He's just a re he's just a force of nature. He's able to wreak havoc by bringing hellacious pass rushes left and right, and it doesn't even really matter which side you put him on the defensive line. He's able to bring consistent pressure, and he's just a nightmare for opposing offenses to guard. And it doesn't even matter if you throw a double team against him. He could split the gap and still be able to make plays. And if he's not even getting uh, quarterback sacks, he's still able to get hurries. He's able to force a quarterback out of the pocket. And sometimes it's all you need to be able to get off the field and get the, the ball back to your offense. And he's done that time and time again. And as far as I see it, he is one of the leaders of that 49ers defense, which is one of the best defense, if not the best defense in the NFL. And as long as he's able to stay healthy for the foreseeable future, He's going to be one of the best pass rushers of this generation. So I guess just to kind of round this out, I've got my MVP as Patrick Mahomes, my coach of the year as uh, Nick Sirianni, 
My comeback player of the year is Jared Goff. My offensive, uh, oh, I forgot to mention uh, offensive rookie of the year, uh, Kenneth Game, uh, Kenneth Walker. Uh, Kenneth Walker definitely deserves to be uh, offensive player of the year as far as I see it. He ran over 1,000 yards uh, for the Seahawks this year, uh, was able to get close to 10 rushing touchdowns, which, I mean, Seattle definitely needed a good running back. Uh, they really haven't been able to find anybody consistent in that backfield since Marshawn Lynch. They've really been snake bitten by injuries. So I think they have a good one in, in Kenneth Walker here. And I think as long as Seattle is able to bolster their offensive line to open up run lanes for him, I think he's going to be solid for them uh, for the foreseeable future. So he's my offensive rookie of the year. My defensive rookie is Sauce Gardner. And then my defensive player of the year is Nick Boza. So that's my list. And, uh, Kev, I know it was a little bit similar to yours, but uh, I had to kind of give Nick the uh, the coach of the year based off of what the Eagles finished at a 14-3 record. So I got to give him credit for that. No, I mean, obviously, I gave Nick his shout-out. I think he's one of the better coaches in the NFL. Obviously, he was a coordinator for the Colts. Like you said, wild card, and now they're our number one seed in the NFC. I forgot my comeback player of the year. I agree with you completely, Jared Goff. I mean, he's been putting up some great numbers. I think that offense continues to get better every year since he's been there. And, of course, you know, with the tandem of, uh, you know, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams in the backfield, that's a great compliment for them. The defense just needs to be improved, man. I know the Detroit Lions fans say that every year. It's like the offense is good, solid. I mean, obviously, they had Megatron, a Hall of Famer. They had, you know, Matt Stafford, arguably the best quarterback, if not the best quarterback in Lions history. Um for the most part, I'm just looking at it like, man, if they could just tweak that defense just a little bit to get some big stops. I know they have Hutchinson, Okuda, and a couple of other young key pieces, but they just need a little bit more, and the Lions can contend. Dan Campbell has shown this season they will run through not just a brick wall, but they will run through a steel mill headfirst for that man. And I mean, if you have a coach like that, you have an offense that can move the ball, just got to get a defense. Once yep. you get a defense, they can contend not only in the division, in the NFC as a whole. So I look forward to see what they can continue to produce. It's a shame that tonight's game was not at the magnitude that we wanted it to be in terms of whoever wins this game gets into the playoffs. That would have been a whole different energy, different magnitude, because let's be honest, teams like this, you know, you're prepping all day, you're looking at the TV, you're watching, okay, they lost, they won, and you're like, all we need to do is win our game. We just need to yeah. win our game. And then you see the one thing you didn't need to happen, which was the Seahawks win the game, which automatically eliminates you. I don't care what anybody says, that is mentally deflating. Mm -hmm. Because you're just sitting there prepping. You're getting, your, you're getting tapes, you're doing warm-ups, you're listening to your pregame music, naps, food, whatever you do before a game and you find out you've been eliminated without even setting foot on the field, that's just, that's exhausting. That just drains you of everything that you had all day long prepping, and it's just like, I don't want to hear it. I know that Detroit is being competitive because that's just who Dan Campbell is, and that coaching staff are all former players. They will not allow them to slack. It's just like I said, if this was a game win and get in, I feel like the Lions would, it would have been a whole different game, and I'm not saying they're playing bad. It's just, it just, I, again, it sucks. To me, that loss against the Carolina Panthers. 100% screwed them. That you cannot have that. That yep. was a game where did the Carolina Panthers score like 34 to like 37 points in that game? Something like that. I think it was like 34-23 or something like that, but it was a bigger blowout earlier in the game. I mean, it was it was a train was a wreck. So, you know, give credit to Carolina because they really didn't have anything to play for in that game particularly. But man, if you're the Lions, I you can't have that. 
it, it was almost kind of like reminiscent of what the Patriots did against the Bears earlier in the season. The Patriots should have won that game fairly convincingly against the Bears, and then the Bears just absolutely smacked them up in that game. It just had a very similar feel to that. Yeah. Um, but, no, overall, um, I, thought, I thought that list was pretty good. Yeah. I, I, from top to bottom. So uh, we'll, we'll find out who wins those uh, awards. Uh, as we get closer to uh, the Super Bowl, I know they'll Super start unveiling Bowl. those uh, those awards uh, before. I think it's actually like the week of the Super Bowl. I think they they start releasing those, yeah, those awards. But no, it's just it's just a good list to put out there just for right now, and uh, we'll just kind of look <clears> at the <throat> results when the uh, when the results show. But yep. uh, just to give you guys a quick update, obviously you guys will know the score of the Packers and Lions game uh, when this releases, but. As of where we're at right now, uh, the Packers are up 16 to 3, but the Lions are in the red zone. 16 13. 16 to 13, yep. Uh, looks like the Lions are threatening to score, whether it be a field goal or a touchdown. I think at this point, though, Kev, knowing Dan Campbell, he's going for a touchdown. He's not settling for field goals. No, he's he's going for the big punch. There's no way he's settling, unless it's one of those situations where it's like, I have faith in my defense, because let's be honest, they held the Packers 16 points in almost four full quarters. He may have some confidence in them to get a stop if this is tied. There's plenty of time. They have timeouts. This is a, a very strategic chess match at this point between LaFleur and Campbell. Yep. And you know the crazy thing is I I think I remember we were talking about this game last week. I think I think you and I had a very similar score uh in this game. Like I think I had us like twenty four to seventeen uh by the end of the game. And honestly, with the, with the way this game is transpiring right now with about seven and a half minutes to go. 16 to 13 kind Close of playing game. along that line. So, I mean, it's Lambo, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be cold. It's going to be a grind. And, you know, typically these NFC North games are like that, but um, this is going to be a very interesting finish to see how this game uh, finishes out in Lambo. And I'll tell you what, Seattle is rooting hard as hell right now for the Lions to get this upset uh, against oh, the yeah. Packers. So, and honestly, if the Lions were to finish at a nine and eight record, good on them, bro. Because it did not look good early on. But uh, with that said, we are going to transition to the national championship game that is going to feature the TCU Horn Frogs. I can't believe a, I can't believe that's a team name, Horn Frogs. I know, but nonetheless, that's what they're called. So the TCU Horn <laughs> Frogs will go up against the Georgia Bulldogs. We got the one seed in the Georgia Bulldogs going up against the number three seeded TCU <clears throat> Horn Frogs. I mean, if you guys had watched last week's semifinal games uh that feature tcu michigan georgia and ohio state i mean those games lived up to expectations and probably exceeded them Surpassed, just based on how yeah. it was just it was an unbelievable semifinal weekend uh last week in the football playoff in uh ncaa football or ncaa football i should say but nonetheless we are here on the national championship stage this game is going to take place i believe in sofi stadium uh on monday night so this is going to be a huge game for both Georgia and TCU. So, Kev, to kick this one to you, we've got TCU and Georgia going at it in the national championship at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles on Monday night. Who do you think is going to come out on top and why? So this is tough. Obviously, I don't watch a lot of TCU games. Not that many people do, aside from my little brother. No offense to TCU fans. It's just not a team that people necessarily follow, like the big schools like Ohio State, Michigan, etc. Um, for the sake of biasness 
uh, supporting an SEC team in the Gators. We all know the powerhouse that the SEC provides. However, the Big Ten has always, at least lately, been able to give them a run for their money. I mean, Ohio State's always up there. Obviously, like I just said, Michigan's up there. But it's just the one thing I have a concern for is that Georgia is known for being able to run the football and, of course, a stout, tough defense. Ohio State was able to thread that needle in every way possible. Stroud had himself an incredible game. They were able to run the football, and that is why I think TCU is going to give them a lot more of a headache than people anticipate. Similarly, on the other side, TCU was not favored in that game against Michigan whatsoever, and they came out and punched them right in the mouth. I don't know if that's because Michigan downplayed it. I don't know if it's because that call that came back where the uh, the player, his butt touched the end zone, but his, he was still bobbling in possession. I don't know if that took the air out of their sails or popped the balloon or whatever. The point is, TCU ran right from that moment on. Didn't stop, didn't look back. It ended up being a shootout, but that offense, despite having a couple of tip passes that led to some interceptions, I think TCU is going to give Georgia more of a headache than Georgia thinks personally. I think Georgia wins the national championship because I think Georgia's deeper. I think they're experienced, and I think that they're a better overall team. They know how to compete in the in the most important games of the year. I mean, obviously, last year winning the national championship after falling short so many times. I think that they go back-to-back in terms of national championships, but... It is going to be a close game. I think TCU pushes them to the brink of elimination. I think TCU is going to give them a a, a very, very, very good uh, shot to put Georgia on their heels and say, well, if we don't ship this up, this is going to be uh, this is going to be another loss in the record books. TCU had a magical run. I'm not taking away anything from them. Their defense made stops when they needed to against Michigan, forcing, I think, three or four turnovers in that game. And I think that they're going to get a couple from... Uh, What's his name? Stetson Bennett at the quarterback of Georgia, who had a couple of turnovers against Ohio State, who isn't really known for any type of defensive presence, at least not this season. Um, And I think that this is going to be like a a one-possession game, maybe a three-point game, maybe a seven-point game, but something that's going to say, wow, this is a better game than we had you know, originally thought of. And I know I've said that a couple of times, but you talk to a couple of SEC fans, you you talk to some Georgia fans like I know, and it's like, we're about to route them. TCU ain't even close. What Big 12 school has has competed in the college football playoff since it's been ensued? And obviously everybody always says Oklahoma, but Oklahoma, once again, two offensive quarterbacks, horrible defenses. And TCU, I don't believe, is in that same category, although they did let Michigan kind of kind of run all over them in the second half. I think TCU will play a little bit tighter. I think that that will be a competitive game, but Georgia will hoist up the national championship once again. Yeah, I'm in full agreement with you on this one. Uh, to be quite honest with you, I think Georgia's going to relatively win this one comfortably. I'm not going to say it's going to be a blowout. I'm not going to say that they're going to win by like three-plus touchdowns. I think Georgia wins this one by about 10 points, uh, simply just because... When I look back to what Georgia did against Ohio State, I just believe that they were able to rally behind Stetson Bennett and dominate that fourth quarter. And when you look at Georgia in that game, specifically against Ohio State, they had to rally because Ohio State was really kind of giving them a run for their money. Ohio State actually had that game fully in control late in the fourth quarter, and then Georgia just went on this massive run and and never looked back. And I think going up against a team like TCU, albeit TCU is no team to slight on because they're in this position for a reason. You know, scoring 51 points against Michigan is no joke. I just believe Georgia's defense is going to be able to hinder TCU's offense like Michigan wasn't able to do last week. That was that was really something surprising to me that Michigan gave up that many points to TCU. I think Georgia's defense will step up. I think they'll be able to force some turnovers early. And then I think Georgia's just 
kind of keeps this game at like maybe like a 10 to 14 point game throughout the course of the game. I just don't believe TCU is going to be able to get back into this game uh, to make it competitive where they can win it. And, you know, to focus on the quarterback play here, uh, I'm going to focus on Georgia here for a second. I think Stetson Bennett has just been a model of consistency this year. I mean, look, they're 14-0 they're for a reason. You know, if you are able to maintain that type of undefeated season in that juggernaut of a conference like the SEC going up against just absolute difficult teams like Alabama, man, you got to give them credit. And I think when you look at Stetson Bennett, man, I think he's just the guy to lead that team forward, especially when maybe the obstacles maybe kind of too much uh, to handle. When you look at that game last week, Stetson Bennett was absolutely critical in that second half of the game. He threw for damn near 400 yards, had three touchdowns, albeit had the one interception, but he was the sole reason why they came back into that game. And then when you look at TCU, uh, TCU won that game simply just because of how many turnovers were present in that game. Michigan did not have a clean game, and TCU was able to take advantage of that. And I think this is one of those games where I think TCU has to play absolutely perfect from an offensive perspective. And I just don't believe that they're going to be able to do that consistently. And, you know, for TCU to be in this position, it's good on them because I don't think a lot of people had them in this position uh, going into a national championship scenario. I just don't think Max is going to do it. Max Duggan has been decent this year. Um, in that semifinal game, he was... He was average. He had two touchdowns and two interceptions. Nothing, anything crazy. But going up against a, a vaunted defense like Georgia, I think Georgia's defense is going to make it really difficult against him. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia's defense is able to get possibly another turnover or two off of Max like Michigan was able to do last week. It's just, I think Georgia from top to bottom, I just think that they're too vaunted of a team uh, for TCU. And I think Georgia with their offensive weaponry, their defensive prowess. I think they win this one by about 10 points. If I had to put a score on it, I think Georgia wins this one by the score of 34 to 24. And Georgia would repeat as national champions once again. I'm hoping it's a good game. I mean, once again, we've said this countless times. Nobody expected last weekend or two weekends ago to be shootouts the way that they were. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being probably some of the most entertaining college football that we've seen in a long time. If this game at the level that it is in terms of the national championship, if this were to go and be a shootout, I would not be pissed. Not nope. even close. I wouldn't either. I, I, I want an entertaining game. But again, I've said this multiple times as well. As a defensive fan, if this were to be a low-scoring game because both defenses decide to show up, I ain't going to be mad either. Nope. So bottom line, got some great sports coming over the course of the next couple weeks. National championship, obviously the NFL playoffs, and a couple of other things that we... Uh, you know, the NBA is getting ramped up. You know, the all-star break is coming up. The trade deadline's coming up. You know, you have uh, the NHL season picking up. And then I think baseball is like 81 days away from like pitchers and catchers reporting or something like that. Maybe even less than that. It, it, so, it's less. 81 days is like three months. It, well, 81 days is probably the regular season then is probably what I saw on Twitter. Because pitchers and catchers usually report at the end of February. So, yeah, you're right. Probably about like 50, 60 days for that. Yeah, I, I think it's like, I think it's like 50. Probably something, something like there. that. Which yeah, the means the traffic be... in this area is going to be lovely because of this shit sock stadium that's right next door. Oh, well, anyway, just got to live yeah. with it, right? Yes, sir. But guys, that about wraps it up for us today. Um, of course, you're going to be seeing us shortly in the next couple of days. We'll obviously go into our full on analysis and predictions for the wild card games and a couple of other things that we're going to get covered 
But uh, other than that, man, I mean, I hope everybody had a great weekend. I know I did, just kind of relaxing, cooling it with the family, cooling it with the missus. But, um, you know, Kyle, let's close this out, brother. That's all I got for us. Yeah. Uh, once again, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, whether you guys were listening to us on the audio platforms or watching us on YouTube, we definitely appreciate the support. Um, trust me, we will have plenty of content for you guys rolling out over the next couple of days. Um, so definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, obviously, going into uh, the end of this week, we'll definitely be covering the wildcard games that are going to be featured in the NFL. There's going to be no shortage of playoff content. Uh, for us to go through so definitely stay tuned for that and like kevin said um now that the nfl season is ramping down all things considered compared to where we were last month uh there definitely will probably be a bump in our nba content um definitely expect that and then you know the occasional hockey one uh we may chime in from time to time on that as well so definitely stay tuned for that but no once again thank you guys for tuning in and kev i got nothing more to say so you can close us out out here man Take it All right. Appreciate your support. We'll see y'all again soon. Have a great night and uh, we'll be back soon. Take it easy, you guys. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electricast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electricast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electricast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electricast.